Oh, good morning. I do miss having Cindy and Joe here and Cindy playing, but I don't know about you, but Holy Spirit just came into this place, and it was amazing. So thank you, God, for showing up. We're always glad when he's here with us. Wouldn't, wouldn't be worth being here if he wasn't, right? It's just always amazing when we come together and we get to engage with God and with each other and the Holy Spirit, and we get to press in to what God has for us. I really do believe that when we come to church, God gives us something that we can receive from him and that he encourages us and that he builds us up in his house. Even if we're all in different places in life, even if we've walked in with all different kinds of questions or challenges from the week. In fact, I think that that's probably the smartest time to come to church, right? When we're struggling, when things are hard, the thing we want to do the most is not come to church, but it's probably the place we need to be at the most. And then some of us come to church and everything feels like we're at this high point in our life, and we're like, I'm good, I'm just coming to church. But even then, it's like God shows up and he just gives us even just a little bit more. So wherever you're at today in your life, I'm just so glad that you're here with us today. So thank you for being here. Father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence. God, I just thank you. I just thank you for what you're doing right now in this room. I just pray that as I bring this message, that you just take me out of it, that your words would just come through it, and that people would hear what you want them to hear today. Thank you for your presence, God. Okay, y'all know that I'm a tearer and a crier and all that, so let's see how we do with, with that today. Uh, a few weeks ago, Joe preached, and he reminded us that we need to get back to our first love. Um, and last week, John shared that we're as close to God as we want to be. Um, and as we get back to our first love and as we grow closer to God, the natural effect of that is that we're going to have this desire to build God's kingdom. And we do that by devoting our time, our talent, and our treasure to him. So today, that's what we're going to talk about, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And actually, John touched a little bit on time last week, so I'm not going to delve into that as deeply. I'm probably going to spend most of our time today on our talent, and then God willing, I'll talk about treasure next week unless God gives me something else. Um, but I do want to suggest to you that if you have a piece of scratch paper, or if you want to pull out your cell phones and pull up a notepad, you can do that. I do want you to write down a couple of things um, that are going to help be a reference point for you throughout the sermon and maybe for next week, and who knows, maybe it'll be a pop quiz. But you do have to promise if you get your cell phones out, that you're going to ignore whatever social media platform that you enjoy the most, and you're going to ignore your notifications. You're only going to be taking notes. <laughs> so the first thing I want you to write down is time is our opportunity. Time is our opportunity. Write that down. Talent is our ability. Write that down. Talent is our ability. And treasure is our resources. Treasure is our resources. Time is opportunity, talent is ability, treasure is our resources. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That's your reference points.
I think it's safe to say that most of us, at one point in time or another, have been in love or at least in infatuation. Wouldn't you agree? Do you remember that feeling? Bryce, do you want to put the first picture up, please? It's sort of like Buddy the Elf, right? I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it, right? That's that feeling of being in love, infatuation, just being super excited. And then there's all those ginormous amounts of time that we spent either thinking about or talking about or being with that person, right? I remember being about 16 or 17 years old and falling in love with a particularly tall, dark, and handsome guy. And I would watch him draw for hours. I mean, I think if he asked me to look for needles in a haystack or watch paint dry, I would probably have said yes, just to spend as much time with him as possible. Um, today, if this same still dark, handsome, tall guy were to, were to say that he was going to draw and wanted me to watch him, I would probably respond with either, I'm going to go watch a movie, or pout because he didn't want to go do something fun with me. It's quite a different response from 30 years ago, right? Um, I, in the beginning, there's this desire and this intentionality that we have to spend time with that person that we're in love with or infatuated with. But over time, we tend to take those things for granted, right? Um, we want to be with that person, and then, you know, we just get used to it and we take things for granted. I don't think that our relationship with God is very different from that. I think in the beginning that we just want to know him and we just want to spend time in his presence. And then later, as we grow in our walk with him, I think we kind of get to this point of, God will understand, his grace is enough, it's okay if I just kind of don't spend as much time with him right now. And I think we kind of do that. Here's the thing, time is our opportunity. It's our opportunity to spend time with God and it's our opportunity to build his kingdom. How much of our time are we spending with God? How much of our time are we using to serve God by loving others? So we're going to start in the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 90, verses 10 through 12 in the NIV. And it says... The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Listen, we each have 24 hours in a day. We cannot buy one more minute of time. We're all on equal ground. Nobody else has any more time than we do. That's 168 hours per week. Now, by the time we subtract work and travel to work and eating and sleeping and things like that, generally speaking, I know some people work multiple jobs and different things, generally speaking, that means we have approximately 68 hours a week to do whatever we want. I'm going to be honest. A lot of my time goes to streaming and Facebook. <laughs> Um, did you know that it takes the average person about an hour to figure out what they want to watch? Now, James and I have decided that when we try to watch something together, it takes us at least two hours to figure out what we want to watch because we can't seem to agree. Um, I am tired. I work really, really hard. 
And it's already dark before I even leave my office. When I get home, I don't want to do a whole lot. Now, I'm not saying that we can't rest and that we can't relax and have downtime. Uh, we should do that. We need to recharge our batteries. We need to rest our brains. However, the enemy is looking to trick us with our time. And why? He's come to paralyze us. He wants us to live our life on earth like the walking dead. Because if he can just zombie us out, we won't use the time God has given us wisely. So I love this quote from C.S. Lewis it's from the Screw Tape Letters. If you've never read that book, it's phenomenal. It's a story that takes, play, takes the form of a series of letters from a senior demon screw tape to his nephew Wormwood, which is a junior tempter. The uncle's mentorship pertains to the nephew's responsibility in securing the damnation of a British man known only as the patient. Okay, so I want to read you what Uncle Screwtape is telling Wormwood in order to make sure that the patient ends up in hell. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him waste his time not only in conversation he joy enjoys with people whom he likes, but also in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night, not roistering, but staring at a dead fire in a cold room. All the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return, so that at last he may say, I now see that I spent most of my life doing neither what I ought nor what I like. That is what the enemy is doing to us on a daily basis. So here's what it comes down to. You and I live on the earth. We live here for a certain length of time. God says that the days of our life are numbered. We only have so many days that we're here on earth. And you know, the thing about it is, earth life is short. Betty White made it almost to 100 years old until she recently died. Even if you live as long as she did, compared to eternity, it's nothing. So let's measure it. This is earth life. This is heaven life. Earth life, heaven life. Now everybody do it with me. Earth life, heaven life. Okay, one more time. Earth life, heaven life. Good, you're all on the page, you're all listening, good. All right? So earth life is short, eternity is a lot longer. So building the kingdom of God is going to require time, but it's also going to require talent. Now, some of you in this room might look at me and think you have no talent. Don't look at me like that. Every single one of us has been gifted with talents from God, both earthly and spiritually. Our talent is what? It's our ability. There are abilities that God has put within each and every one of us, and all of us have them. All of us have ability. All of us have talent, okay? Unfortunately, we also have an enemy. My favorite scripture in the Bible is John 10.10. 10. And the first part of that scripture says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
Did you know from the moment that we were conceived, the enemy has come against us to destroy us? Do not be deceived. Many of us do not truly value who we were created to be because the enemy came to kill and destroy us. And he can do a pretty good job of dragging us down that pathway too. But I hope and I'm believing that by hearing God's word today, we'll see his light. Because at the bottom of that scripture, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's why this is my favorite verse. God has come to give abundant life. He wants us to have this amazing, abundant life. And that's why the enemy is so dedicated to stealing our talent and destroying our ability. Why? So that we won't use what God has put within us. Now, how does he do that? What is his big master plan to, to kill and destroy us? You ready for this? He's real creative. He just repeats. He repeats things. He repeats words to people. We hear the same kinds of words over and over again. You're stupid. You can't. It's not possible. You're not the right color. You're not the right gender. You're too young. You're too old. All these different words, they're always the same words. He just repeats them. And he just keeps throwing them at us like snowballs or baseballs. I think of snowballs because I'm thinking of Buddy the Elf throwing all the snowballs. But it's just like boom, boom, boom. He just doesn't stop. He just keeps repeating these words. And then sometimes, unfortunately, we just reach up and we just grab those words and we take hold of them. And sometimes we take them and we bury them in our soul and they become part of our identity. And what I'm hoping and what I'm believing is that the Holy Spirit is with us today and helps us to see that. They weren't your words to catch. I'm praying that right now you're going to release those words and you're going to let them go. Release the negative things that were spoken over you. Release what was spoken over the talents that God has put within you. Release that thing that God has for you to create treasure in your life. The enemy comes to just squish it down, and he's done that in many different ways to all of us. And I know. I know because I remember. I can identify certain words and moments in my life that I reached out and I caught those lies, and I took them, and I buried them deep in my soul. But as I've walked out my Christian life, Holy Spirit has begun to work in my life and began to just pull my fingers off. So I'm holding these words, and Holy Spirit's just pulling my fingers off of these words to help me release what the enemy had put in my life to bring death and destruction. So I'm asking that the word of God speak over us today. I'm just believing that instead of having the catcher's glove that we went up and we grabbed those demonic balls of lies that were thrown at us, that instead we're going to catch God's view, that we're catching what God has to say about us today. So the foundation of this is in Genesis 1, 26-28. The Bible gives us life. Where the enemy brings death, God's word brings life. And so this is what it says in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. 
It starts with, then God said. Now stop for a moment. Just feel that for a moment. God said. Now let's see what he said compared to what we've already talked about, time, talent, and treasure. Okay? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Wow. This is in the very beginning of the Bible. So again, let's just stop and pause for a second. In all the things that have been said and in all the evil that's been spoken over us, God said right here, let us make man in our image. Bryce, could you put that next picture up? We, you and I, we are made in the image of God. Think of the most spectacular, beautiful thing in all of creation that you are just in awe of. And when I was trying to think of something, this is the first thing that came to mind when we went to the Grand Canyon in October. Every time we looked at a view, we were just like, wow, God created this. Wow, this is amazing. I can't believe God did this. There was just no, no other words other than to praise God for how beautiful the Grand Canyon was, right? God said that he made the Grand Canyon, but he also said that he made you and he made me. The same God who made that made you and made me. Let us make man in our image, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All you and I need to do is just hear the word. Let the word fill us with its reality. Let it touch us in our humanity. If we would allow ourselves to really, truly stop and feel and understand what God is saying to us, the magnitude of that word is phenomenal. God is saying to you and to me, in the very beginning of creation, I have created you. Humanity has been created to be dominant over the earth. And yet, the enemy has convinced us to be weak and afraid and live in fear and live in the I can'ts. Because, but God is saying, I have given you dominion over all. Why are you living on the outside? Why are you not seeing what I have for you? God has given us this amazing gift of time, talent, and treasure. He's given this to us in our very short life to fully engage, to have a mission on earth but too many of us are living on the outside. So again, I want to give you some visuals to help you understand what I'm saying. So Bryce, you want to go to the next picture? I feel like this is many of us, right? We stand in our blinds and we just peek through them a little bit. And this is how we live our lives. We live this way with our tre treasure, with our talents. We're looking out the window 
And we're like, somebody else has that. Somebody else is good at that. Look at how life is just moving past us. But we're just safe behind our blinds, just, just watching, just looking at what everybody else has that we don't. Okay, the next picture, Bryce. Now, this is how many of us treat our life. We look at everybody else. We're all on social media. We're all looking at everybody's Insta. We're all looking at everybody's pictures, and it's so exciting. But we're voyeurs. We're just looking into everybody else's world. We're just sitting back from who we are, and we're looking at everybody else, and we're thinking, I wish I was like that. But we're not doing anything. And the next picture, Bryce. And this one, this one has a sense of hope to it. It's kind of like, could I? Should I? What's out there? What can I touch? Could I leave the security of my room with a view? Could I get outside and start doing something with my life? Look, I've been in the church and in leadership for a really long time, and I've heard a lot of, I've heard pretty much every sad excuse in the book. I've heard every imaginable reason why people don't do what's, what's in their hearts to do. Okay, now mind you, the reason I've heard them and that I understand these excuses is because I've said them myself. I said many of the exact same things that people in this room have said or that other people have said. I can't. It's not possible. It's not going to work. I'm not smart enough for that. I can't do that. I cannot do that. I cannot tell you how many times that I've said, I can't do that. Come on, people. If God can use somebody like me from DeKalb, Illinois, he can use anybody. But I have a feeling that that doesn't always ring true when people hear that. People say things, but Brenda, you're really brave. You can do that. I can't do that, but you can do that because you're really brave. And in my head, I'm thinking, why do you think I'm really brave? But I think it's because they only see the outside. The only reason they don't actually believe what I said is because they only see what's happening on the outside. They don't see the hundreds and thousands of times that I peeked through the blinds and looked out and said, oh my gosh, there is no way I'm going out there. I cannot do that. They don't understand it because what they see is that I decided to say, yes, I'll go, instead of living by my fear. It's easy to live by our fear. It's easy to be dominated by the I can'ts. It's so easy to say, I don't have enough money to tithe, so my treasure needs to be to take care of myself or my family. It's so easy to look at our talents and go, I'm not good enough to do that, so I'm not even going to go for it. It's so easy to look at the words that have been spoken over us in our past or that we've allowed to grow up inside of us to stop us from really becoming all that God wants us to be in our life. And fear is the dominant factor. Fear of, I'll fall on my face. Look, I have fallen on my face. Who has not fallen on their face once or twice or a dozen times? All of us have to deal with that fear, the fear of failing. All of us have to deal with, I won't do good enough. All of us have to deal with, I'm not smart enough. 
I'm too old. I'm too young. Here's mine. Here's what I deal with. The whole women in ministry thing. I guess because I'm married to a husband that truly believes in me and truly believes in women and people in general, being able to do whatever God has called them to do, and I guess because I'm in a church that believes in everyone gets to play, I forget that I'm a woman and that there are people that are extremely offended that I'm doing what I'm doing here today. Some people really don't believe that women should be doing this. I'm a woman standing at a pulpit preaching on a Sunday morning over men, and they don't believe that I should be doing this. And what do I say to them? There are a lot of choice words I could say to them. But that's not what I say. Believe me, sometimes it's really hard, and it's so easy to question myself. I have friends, I have family who don't think this is right. But I say, what I say is, oh well. I have to follow where God is leading me. I have to stay true to the abilities and the call that he's put on my life, regardless of what anybody else says. And I am not going to let the enemy come at me and tell me that I can't do it. I have to listen to God. God is way more powerful than the enemy in his stupid lives. So I'm just trying to say that our gifts, in our gifts and in our talents, God wants, wants us to not allow fear to dominate us and not allow ourselves to stop. We need to allow Holy Spirit to help us and to press us into a new place. So we're going to look at Proverbs 2, 1 through 8. Now this is going to be out of the message, so it might look a little different up, up than what's up there. And again, you might want to write the scripture down, Proverbs 2, 1 through 8. Because maybe this week when you're reading your Bible and growing in the Word of God, which I hope you're all doing, you can just ask him, what do you have for me? What do you want to speak to me this week, God? It starts off, good friend. And I love how the Word of God starts off, good friend. He's our friend. Good friend. Take to heart what I'm telling you. Collect my counsels and guard them with your life. The beginning of this is just so beautiful and so wonderful. It's saying to us to believe, collect my counsel, collect my insight, collect what the word of God has for you and me. If we don't want fear to, if, if you don't want fear to dominate you, if you don't want I can't to dominate you, if you don't want it's not possible to dominate you, then collect my counsel. Guard them with your life. You, each one of you in this room, I don't care what age you are. Do you want success in your life? Or do you just want to sit here and then go out into the world and let life kick you around a little? And then, like the prodigal son, say, man, maybe God was right. Why wait? Why not get it now? Collect my counsels and guard them with your life. Tune your ears to the word of wisdom. Set your heart on a life of understanding. You and I, on a daily basis, when we wake up, we need to say, okay, God, okay, Father, I tune into you today. Not the words of the enemy. I turn, tune into you, God. Set your heart on a life of understanding. That's right. If you make insight your priority and won't take no for an answer, 
Do not take no for an answer. Searching it like a prospector panning for gold, like an adventurer on a treasure hunt. Believe me, before you know it, fear of God will be yours. You'll come upon the knowledge of God. And here's why. God gives out wisdom free. is plain spoken in knowledge and understanding. He's a rich of... He's a rich mine of common sense for those who live well. These are such life-giving revelations of God's word. In order to succeed in life, you and I have to have wisdom. If you and I want to succeed in life, we've got to have a common sense of how to live and how to survive in this world. I mean, have you looked at the world lately, guys? Everything is just going crazy out there. And yet... The word says, our God is rich in common sense for those who live well. He's a rich mine of common sense for those who live well, a personal bodyguard to the candid and sincere. He keeps his eye on all who live honestly, and he pays special attention to his loyally committed ones. As you're sitting here, what do you want to receive from God today? He says, seek from me, ask of me. What do you want from me? God wants to answer the cry of your heart. But you've got to have a little bit of a cry. You've got to want to seek him a little bit. So I ask the question again, what do you want? God has given you talent. What do you want to do with it? God has given you treasure. What do you want to do with it? What are you doing with the time in which God has invested in you? What are you doing with that to make a difference in the kingdom all around us? How are you using that to make a difference to serve in humanity? Let's look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. Give him the first and the best, right? Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Give God the first. So when we're talking about talent, our ability, and you and I have you and I have to accept his word is true. It's true. God says to honor me first with the talent I've put within you. Now, that doesn't mean we're all supposed to go, oh, does that mean that I'm supposed to be in full-time ministry as a pastor? Am I supposed to be a prophet? Am I supposed to quit my job and serve full-time? Well, maybe. But no, what it's saying here is that we're supposed to honor God with the ability God has put within us in our sphere of influence. When we're talking about time, treasure, and talent, we have to realize the word of God says, honor the Lord with our talent. Honor the Lord with our treasure. Honor the Lord with our time. 
Now, the thing about it is that we all have to figure out what that looks like for each of us in our world. How does that work into what God has gifted within me to live my life? Too many of us as Christians just discount it. We separate what we do in our weekly schedule and our life outside of church, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We separate that. And yet, we separate it from the Word of God. And yet, God says, honor me. Honor me in all the areas of your life. It doesn't say with some things. It says, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. We're not called to decide our life and then give God the leftovers. Here's a little God. Here's what's left. And then God's like, okay then, there's a little back. I'll give you my leftovers. What you give God is what you get. And that might feel a little harsh, but that's biblical. What you give is what you get. I really want to encourage us today as believers. I asked earlier, what do you want? And I think and I really believe that what we want as humanity is a sense of fulfillment of life. The sense of mission and connection to why we're here. And we're here to serve. We're here to give. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And he uses us in so many different forms and fashions to do that based on the talents and the abilities that he's given each one of us. We all have different jobs that we go to every day. We all live in different neighborhoods. We all have families that we have that we're engaged in. God said, I want you to honor me in all those spheres of influence, all those places that I've put you in. We use that. We use our time. We use our treasure. And we use our abilities to reach, minister, and help to serve in all of those realms. Our last scripture, Luke 6.38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give. Our life is about give. Whether it's our time, our talent, or our treasure, we are giving those things. Now for me, I want and I strive to have every part of my world and my life be about God using the treasures that he gives to me. And recently this week, I read a, you know, Facebook and its memes, um, so hopefully this is a correct quote, um, a man of God named a man of God named A.W. Tozer said, there are rare Christians whose very presence incites others to be better Christians. I want to be that rare Christian. If this could be the only talent that God ever gives me, I would be blessed because that's what I want to do. Father God, we just pray that right now you would use the talents you have placed within us. We give you our time, Lord, and we ask that you would help us to serve you. We ask that everywhere we go, Lord, that to every person that we meet, that we are your voice of hope. 
So to wrap this up, we're going to have to participate in the things that God is doing to build his kingdom. And that's going to require us to use our time, which is our what? What is time equal? Opportunity. And our treasure, which is our resources, and our talents, which are our abilities. And it's going to take courage to be who God has created us to be. And that is my prayer for you this week. I am praying that you will be courageous and brave people this week, that you will let go of the words the enemy has spoken over you, and that you will claim the words of God over you, that you will know that you are loved by God, that he created you, and that he has the best of plans for you, that he has a full and abundant life for you. So, Bryce, is it possible to play that last song again that we sang today or no? If it's possible, great. If it's not, that's okay. What I'm going to do right now is we're just going to open up. Um, at the end of the service, we always open up for a time of prayer. If you would like prayer for anything that you heard in the sermon today or for something else that's going on, if you need healing, um, we would love to pray for you. So I want to thank you for being here today. I pray that you have a wonderful week and that God will bless you. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.